Welcome to Radio Rollback Podcast, celebrating the greatest days of music radio. Now here's your host, Jeff Martin. Hello and welcome again to uh, Radio Rollback. This is episode 37, part 2, and our continuing chat with uh, Johnny Lewis. If you haven't yet heard uh, episode 37, part 1, you could pop back and listen to that first, but entirely your choice. In this uh, chat with uh, Johnny, we talk about him going back to Radio Caroline and the Ross Revenge. Now, Johnny was on board when the station celebrated its 21st birthday, and uh, I find this little clip, which I thought we'd just play before we get back into our chat with Johnny. Anyway, uh, just to explain what we're doing this afternoon between now I and wish, 6 o'clock. Yes, Go on. what we're doing now between, uh, between now and 6 o'clock is having, having a little bit of a party on board. Our 21st birthday it is this Easter Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a dance competition. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody's going to play in that. But, uh, oh, no. Yes, go on. Oh, God. What? Yes. See, see who can hit the board first. <laughs> a bit of a case of that. Uh, and also we'll be sampling the Caroline GBH birthday bitter. Uh, uh, yes, I, I asked Simon to cut me a slice of that a moment ago. One or two of us had a bit of a sample of it last night, we must confess, and uh, it's uh, pretty damn good stuff. OK, then, so I'll hand, you, hand it back to you for a couple more records, and then we'll be down in the mess room and <laughs> somebody's <laughs> just slipped over on the deck. <laughs> oh, like it, like it. Happily named the mess room, yeah. really, because it oh, is most of the time. Yeah. Oh, by the oh, by the way, just one thing. We are in fact on the lookout at the moment for a pair of Susan Charles knickers because she had them hanging out here on the line, just above me, and she left them there this morning when the wind got up and they sort of flew into the sea. So if anybody <laughs> finds a pair of knickers, there are. Can we, we could, have them back? We could have had a competition, really. We could have written the station's name and address on it, and you know, the person that found them the furthest away could have sent them in and won a prize. Well, yes. Okay, then. So back to you, and we'll be down in the mess room in about 15-20 minutes. Good stuff. See you later on. Dude. What a great uh, time it was to be listening to Radio Caroline on that 21st birthday. I I was tuned in all day. It was such a a, a fabulous time. And as Johnny mentioned, can't believe it's now nearly 60 years. Unbelievable. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that little clip. Now let's get back into our chat with Johnny and uh, uh, talking about uh, his involvement with uh, Laser 730. So from Ireland, uh, you got involved with uh, the Laser Project. Well, that was in Ireland because uh, I was on a station called the ABC in uh, Tremor with uh, Clive Derrick, Andy Ellis, uh, Andy Linton as well. Great guys and a load of other people as well. Dave Windsor. Um, Oh, blimey. Tony Morrell. He was brilliant. Fantastic broadcaster. I think he's down in South Africa now, but fantastic broadcaster. And uh, one evening I was on the air and the, the phone went and there was this <laughs> guy with a northern accent. It was Paul Rustling. And he's, he, he used, he said, is that Stephen Bishop? And I thought, Stephen Bishop? Oh, yeah, it's me, isn't it? I hadn't used that name since the uh, Mi Amigo days. Yeah. And he said, do you want to come and have a look at our radio ship? And I thought, radio ship? And it was in New Ross at the time, which was uh, just down the road from Waterford. And uh, that was where the communicator was. It was actually, you know, they'd stopped over from Fort Lauderdale to the anchorage going out to um, uh, the Thames Estuary. Mm-hmm. Literally a month later, when it was out in the Thames Estuary, Paul contacted me again and said, do you want to go out to the ship or could you go out to the ship and have a look at the uh, aerial situation? They tried two balloons at this point and both mm-hmm. of them had uh, flown off. And uh, I went out to the ship and my first memory of the ship, I saw the Ross Revenge actually first. It was at night and you could see the Ross Revenge. My first um, 
first sighting of the Ross Revenge, and I thought, was that aerial? <laughs> it's yeah. huge. It's huge. We went past quite close. And then onto the uh, communicator and, um, you know, got climbed aboard. It was quite high out of the water. I do remember that, but still had a lot of fuel, uh, fuel on it. Very luxurious uh, on board. Had everything, you, you know, you could ever want. The studios were plush and looked good. Uh, transmitter, obviously, both transmitters, two transmitters there, 225 kilowatts. Uh, they were brand new and looked uh, the business. But, uh, of course, the one thing they didn't have was uh, the aerial because they'd um, had two balloon attempts. I think the first one lasted about two minutes, and that was it. The second one, I think, that was more successful. It lasted about uh, eight hours and then came uh, tumbling down, uh, which was a bit of a shame. So myself, Blake Williams... Uh, Paul, Paul Rustling, and Robin Banks. Not a lot of people know this, but uh, Robin Banks, as in Robin Ashcroft. Oh, really? Uh, came out for a few days, and we started building uh, the makeshift aerial out of any bit of wire we could find. <laughs> <laughs> Light bulbs as well, and I kid you not, well, tubes anyway, <laughs> and uh, insulation foam uh, to get this thing at least heard. You know, in Kent, the idea was the guy who owned it, I think, was uh, starting to run out of patience and just wanted to hear a signal coming out of it. Well, luckily, he was uh, in Kent for a time. Uh, so we thought, you know, even if we can get a kilowatt, a couple of kilowatts out of it, he'll hear it quite nicely on the coast. And, uh, you know, we tried all sorts of things to get a signal out from the ship. But every time it sort of ended up as a firework display and uh, we were just getting to the point where we were just going to give up. And suddenly we thought... I wonder if we put a couple of extra coils at the base of the aerial at the back and load them from the bridge. So we got these uh, tubes, these fluoresce six foot fluorescent tubes, <laughs> four of them, some insulation foam for the top and bottom and wound cable around them, trying not to break the uh, tubes, Jeez, which we right. didn't. And I believe Paul in one of his books, or maybe a couple of them, has actually got pictures of this insulation and uh, the actual coil that we made, uh, a couple of them that we made on the back deck, uh, on the back of the bridge. And uh, we turned on the transmitter, and it worked. It actually worked. The carrier stayed on. Uh, you know, we got the carrier on. It was the transmitter was okay, and then we thought modulation. Let's see what it does when we modulate it. And we modulated it, kept turning it up, and got it over over a hundred percent. And yeah, it was absolutely fine. And for those, what was it, five days? Uh, we, you know, literally Blake and myself did those tests on uh, seven two nine. Uh, we knew we weren't going to stay on 729 because, um, well, it, you know, it wasn't the best frequency in the world with a couple of BBC locals uh, right near it as well. And also, I think it was the third harmonic, or it might have been the second, I can't remember, was near 2182, which is the emergency uh, yeah, calling channel on shortwave. So we thought, nope, uh, find another frequency. And they did, they'd already earmarked to 558. Although some people in the organization were actually against 558, saying, Nobody listens at that, at that end of the band oh, anymore. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might well have heard that story. Yes, but anyway, yeah. the rest, as they say on that one, yes, yeah. it did go to, to 558. Right. But originally it was going to be called Laser 730. But, yeah, the thing the, the thing was, uh, yep, yeah, the guy who owned the station, uh, he heard the tests. He was fine. He was happy with it and basically gave the money for uh, for you know for towers to go up so that was what happened and uh you know it was off the air then for a couple of months and came back as uh, laser 558 and what a successful uh, great radio station the only problem was the ship obviously you know all the radio ships including the p, p ship I, I mean i've been on me amigo 
the uh, the voice of peace, obviously, the Ross Revenge. I was actually on that one that was um, the supposed to have um, broadcast the uh, stereo hits one. I can't remember the oh, name what? of the ship. The, was it um, the, not the Nanel? Was it? That's the one. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. Even when I board that in, uh, not on not on the North Sea, but when it yeah. was in Southampton, very sort of cloak and dagger stuff. Yeah. But no, the 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 um, the communicator was by far the least stable ship that i've ever been on you only need to blow on it unfortunately and it would start to uh, roll it's the only station as well that or any ship that i've woken up with me head uh, with me with me legs going over me head because it was rolling so much <laughs> <laughs> never felt unsafe on it but it was just one of those one of those vessels we always said if you'd have if you'd have had the laser equipment the laser transmitters this is with the Ross Revenge and the Ross Revenge's generators, it would have been the perfect radio ship. Yes, <laughs> and that mast. <laughs> yeah, and that mast. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. with that mast as well. Yeah. God, blimey, that was one one hell of a mast. The amount yeah. of times I managed, uh, I remember being woken up on the ship by new people who were on on board, and it was sort of roughish weather, and they say the mast is going to come down. It's moving. You say it's supposed to move. If it didn't move, it would crack and then just break up. <laughs> it was properly talked and everything. There was a lot of thought went into that mast, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so, unfortunately, it was just uh, that big storm of uh, yeah. of eighty seven that brought it down with uh, lots of stays. Uh, well, the bottles, the insulators breaking, and unfortunately, the weather didn't uh, calm down enough for them to be replaced before that big storm in uh, November. Had that have happened, it was uh, the mast would have survived that as well. Sadly, it uh, didn't. But there we go. That's a, that's another story. Yeah. So that um, that uh, final broadcast you did with uh, Blake, uh, the uh, the laser seven three zero thing was was just one of uh, my favourite broadcasts of all time. It was just it was really brilliant and. Uh, Somebody said to me yesterday. Somebody listened to the podcast. So oh, if you if you're speaking to Johnny, you know, let, just tell him that that is one of their favourite broadcasts as well, because uh, it, it, there was a real atmosphere about that. Um, um, it was. I mean, we just got. I mean, Blake and myself just hit it off from the word go. Uh, you know, I mean, he was a great engineer and he taught me a lot as well about uh, aerial physics and stuff like that. Um, but also great broadcaster and a great person to be around and we just bounced off each other we we never had a playlist it was all off the cuff everything we said was off the cuff even the programs were off the cuff yeah. uh, and it just worked didn't it it, it just did. it just worked yeah 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 i've listened to it many times it was yeah one of my my favorite broadcasts as well it was yeah. So, so many people have actually said that. And I'm not just talking about uh, people who listen to the uh, radio. I'm talking about people who worked in radio yeah. as well. So what were you on on those programmes? I said a chair. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> one that didn't break or hadn't broken. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's another one of the things that you're quite uh, infamous for. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I do. I tend to rock around a lot and move around a lot. I still do it. Although at the moment I'm brought, you know, I'm talking to you from my studio at home yeah. and it's actually a stand-up studio. I actually prefer... Uh, you know, standing up now doing programs. Yeah. So I've actually had a purpose-built stand-up studio built. Oh, that's uh, really good. Yeah, I worked somewhere once where they had a stand-up studio, and mm. uh, I didn't, I didn't quite get on with it. So they bought this really high stool for me to sit on, and uh, and that was didn't work either because I was always that. Because back in the day when I take when I'm training uh, young uh, presenters these days. Um, yeah. the, Back in the day, radio was a physical job before we had playout software. You know, you'd be dashing everywhere. You never sat still. You know, you'd be queuing up tapes, putting your carts in and dashing around. And, yeah, I used to have to keep getting on and off this stool. So I stood up in the end anyway. 
<laughs> Funny enough, I've got a couple of stools, but they're over at the uh, the back of the room. Yeah, actually, you'd probably think the stand-up studios would have been great back in uh, you know back in the days of the the 60s and 70s yeah. more so because as you tell you, you had to move around so much. Now I've got two screens in front of me and a keyboard, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's much different. Um, yeah. So um, you'd you, you'd obviously gone again when uh, uh, Laser Five Five Eight came on the air. I'm right in thinking, but then you find yourself on the Ross Revenge. Yeah, I was. I went back to Ireland. I mean, it came on um, the you know the uh, the communicator came on in May eighty uh, four. Actually, I must just tell you before that the one thing I do remember about after just after those test transmissions and before I left the ship, it was actually April May no March thirty first, and uh, Blake and myself were watching uh, Spitting Image on the TV on the communicator. And one of the guys who was on board came in and said, oh, it's really clear tonight. You can see the headlights of cars. And we're thinking, 15 miles off, you shouldn't be able to see the headlights of cars. Oh, dear. We had we'd lost the anchor. And oh. We're about, well, a few miles off Birchington in Kent. Let's put it that way. And uh, we, you might, uh, you might well remember, um, if you've seen photographs of when the communicator first came on the air as laser 558 it looks a right tangle with the anchor chains at the front yes. of the ship that was because of uh, the broken one and uh, emergency ones going down well luckily i mean on the communicator we had engines anyway so we could just start them and uh, you know up we went back into the knock deep but we were just thinking we went over a couple of sandbanks so good job we lost the, the anchor the main anchor at high tide, wow, and, not yes. at low tide. <laughs> so, yeah. and in fact that's the that's the uh, I think I've only only been in you know on two two ships when they've broken the anchor, but uh, that was the one where we had to use the main engine the most. But we got back there, we went past the Ross, and uh, you know sort of a few hours later and re-anchored. And I think we did have a conversation with with them, and uh, they said we wondered where you had gone. <laughs> yeah, just down to Birchington and back. Yeah, that's not bad. I'd not heard that before. I didn't I didn't realise that. That's yeah. Uh... No, we went adrift um, on uh, the night of March thirty thirty first. Ah, yeah. So, had an engine and a spare anchor, so well, two spare anchors, so that was good. We didn't yeah. drop both of them; we just dropped one. Yeah. But uh, you don't drop two because otherwise they tangle. Yeah. But uh, yeah, after after that, I went back to Ireland for a bit and um, kept getting calls from Ronan. And uh, Ronan kept saying, you know, when are you coming back to the lady? Or when are you coming home? You know, that sort of calls. And one Thursday morning, he just got me as I came off the air on ABC. And uh, we were having a conversation. And he said, you know, the lady needs you. <laughs> I thought, I'll tell you what, Ronan, I'll come, I'll come back. I'll come back for a stint. I'll do a stint. And he went, OK. And he sent me. And again, he sent me a ticket. And he was that. If Ronan wants something. Uh, bad enough he'll make sure he gets it type thing yeah and he sent me a ticket for the next boat from uh, ross lair to fishguard to get down to london and then literally from london i went up to sheerness and i was out on the boat on the sunday this was the thursday evening sailing i got and i was out on the boat on the sunday uh, sunday lunchtime arrived on the ross revenge about 1 30 howard rose as in jay jackson yes, crispin yeah. st john was on the air went up to see him obviously to say hello because i knew i knew him from uh, the voice of peace and uh, he said, uh, and this is how I ended up with the name Johnny Lewis, which yeah. actually is my real name. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, part of my real name. So, you know, got I was actually, I think, the only person who, you know, during the course of after 67 has used my real name on board. But uh, I got uh, got upstairs and uh, he, he said, uh, you're doing two till six, if that's all right, Johnny, this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd only been on the boat like 25, 30 minutes and I was on the air. And uh, I was going to go back, revert back to Stephen Bishop, 
But of course, Howard knew me from uh, from Ireland as uh, Johnny Lewis, and he just said, "Coming up at two o'clock is Johnny Lewis." And I thought, "Oh well, they all know, so I might as well just like, stick to Johnny Lewis." <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so there we go. Stephen Bishop never did reappear on Caroline, no. but uh, that's how I appeared uh, back on Caroline. And I did a stint of about seven weeks and then went off on shore because my brother got married and then was back. And I think I did about 18 months with only about a week off. Really? And one of those stints was 29 weeks as well without coming ashore, which is not the record because uh, Mike Barrington uh, was on board as an engineer there uh, for just about a year. Actually, I think we wow. did 52 weeks without coming ashore. Gone. But uh, we certainly did some long stints in those days. Um, but it was good fun. I mean, the thing is, it was the Ross Revenge compared to the Mi Amigo. You, you could have got two and a bit, two, probably two and a quarter Mi Amigos on the Ross Revenge. Yeah. You know, you, you you know, it was so much bigger, and there was so so many more places you could disappear into if you wanted to. Uh, but uh, yeah, very comfortable ship. Didn't have the same feel as the Mi Amigo at first, but uh, I mean now, yeah, I mean absolutely brilliant. And also, you know, sort of a year down the line after being on there, you could, you know, it was home again, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I do, yeah. And yeah. You, and you made it uh, home by uh, that uh, world-famous uh, GBH bitter, which uh, was always spoke about on the air. Well, yeah, we decided, because um, some of us like bitter, but uh, most of our supply boats that used to bring out the, uh, you know, alcohol, if you like, beer, used to come from Europe as opposed... We used to get some from the UK, but most of it from uh, from Europe. But uh, I, I wasn't a keen lager fan. I didn't mind it, you know, on a summer's day, a nice cold one. Yeah. But I thought, oh, let's make some bitter. If somebody can bring us out some kits. So I mentioned this on the air, and you can imagine what happened. We got kit after kit <laughs> after kit, yes. and uh, we just used to brew it. And uh, I hadn't done beer brewing, you know, before. And was actually quite successful. I mean, the transmitter room, great, you know, great place yeah. when it was actually going through its mm. fermenting stage because it was uh, nice and warm. I mean, we had a couple that did clear, but you could imagine with the boat rolling, yes. well, moving. I won't say the, the Ross didn't roll very much. Right. It moved. But, of course, you needed the beer when it was fermenting to, uh, you know, especially settling. Yeah. You needed it to, uh, you know, not to move. But to, even when it was, um, you know, cloudy, as it were, uh, it was. It still tasted nice, mind you. Having said that, now they do this cloudy apple and stuff like that. I could have. I could have been there with uh, and painted all this cloudy beer exactly. stuff years ago, couldn't I? Yeah, you Cla- missed, cloudy missed the Foss beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've missed the forte there. Missed it. I've yeah. missed it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, the the, the the Ross Revenge. Um, uh, you know, Carol, that time was great. I mean, one of the things that I remember, in fact. Um, I was listening to it uh, last summer again. Actually, was uh, the twenty first birthday. That was a that was a fa- uh, fabulous uh, oh, day. Blimey. We had a dart match. Darts, and everything. Yeah, the darts. <laughs> I, I, I went on board. I went on and played a few Irish things as well on uh, on the air, which uh, uh, some people people had asked for on. Um, uh, on some letters, I think, and I managed to find a couple of bits and pieces. But yeah, we played darts. We had the GBH. It was all round, you know, great fun as well. And we had several boats come out to, uh, you know, to say hello to us and, uh, you know, wish as well. But 21 years, you know, you think about it, 21 years, we're coming up to 60 now, aren't we? Yeah, Incred- it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And it only seems like yesterday as well that, uh, you know, that 21 years. We had a really nice, Dave, his name was, really nice captain on board as well. And he was a great guy. And he just used to take part in everything. On the He, he used to work on tugs doing the, um, uh, you know, doing the gas 
um, yeah. fields yeah. and that and the oil rigs. And he said it was, you know, sometimes on the on the Ross, he thought it was going to be boring, you know, because it had nothing much to do. But he said it's never a dull moment. I said, <laughs> no, never a dull moment uh, on this boat. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, it was it was, a, again, a great time to be out there on the on the Ross Revenge and involved with uh, with Caroline. You could see things were going really well. We had Radio Monique on as well, and there was lots of money coming in, and we had no no shortage of fuel. And for the first time ever, uh, on, on a Caroline vessel anyway, uh, we were actually showers, oh. luxury. <laughs> oh, there we go, yeah. I'm showers gonna... and not seawater yeah. showers or rainwater showers, proper freshwater showers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it, the, the atmosphere on on the air at that particular time was uh, was was just brilliant, wasn't it? it well, yeah. I mean, as a listener, for sure it was. It just came over that everything, all you've just said, almost came out on air. I don't think we, I don't can't remember showers being mentioned, but everything else mm. <laughs> like came over the air about everything was good, everything was fine, you know. And as exciting as sometimes, you know, the numbers going out when we listen to the Mi Amigo and we mm. used to the idea thinking, oh, there's, a, there's something cracking off. It really was nice that Caroline was just just one wonderful radio station, wasn't it? It was, and again, everybody gelled. Everybody knew what they had to do. The Dutch and the English service, you know, the crew, we got on. We all got on so well. I mean, indeed, when I spent uh, a lot of, uh, well, I spent a lot of time in Holland on shore leave, you know, with uh, Lena Moyer, who used to uh, supply us there from uh, Europe, and the Dutch guys and the girlfriends and uh, some of the Dutch girls who were on board the ship. We'd all meet up in Holland as well. Um, so and sometimes they come over to uh, the UK. So we were actually like a family onshore as well as offshore as well. But yeah, the whole thing gelled. There was no problems. The, sh- the station was just on the air. It was so reliable. You could actually set your alarm clock by and knew it was going to be on the air. Yeah, it was yeah. never off the air, was it? The only time we were off the air was if we were doing sort of maintenance to the aerial or any general maintenance, which, uh, you know, if it was general maintenance on the transmitters or generators, we'd do it overnight. But anything on the aerial, obviously, we had to do during the day. Yeah. I think they were the only times, certainly during 84, 80, most of 85, any time, and 86, any time we went off the air during the day, it was only caused by uh, aerial maintenance yeah which was scheduled anyway which is it was, it all, yeah and we we always used to give notice that we were uh, we were going to do it actually one thing that i always remember talking about the aerial as people coming out was this uh, gym palace this uh, luxury yacht coming alongside one day absolutely wonderful there was uh, a couple that came up you know we got talking to them said do you want to come uh, come aboard and they said oh if you don't mind and all of that and they had two daughters there and we we're all sitting up on uh, on the back deck and I suppose the daughters were uh, probably in their late teens, early 20s, and sitting up on the back deck talking about music. Now, you've got to remember, of course, it says Radio Caroline all over the ship on the back deck at the time. I think it said Caroline, L.A. Caroline 319, I think it was then. And we were sitting on that. And the guy said, he just turned around and said to me, he said, what sort of vessel is this? I've never seen a light ship with a, with a tall mast like that. And their daughters just said, Dad, it's a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> we had it playing as well in the background yeah. Radio Caroline <laughs> he went oh yes you're the pirates aren't you <laughs> yeah but that didn't you know he didn't get off the boat and sort of run a mile we just sort of stayed there and uh, we continued chatting but yeah incredible, incredible stuff but uh, that, you know it was it was what was going on at the time as well around 
around the ship you know if we had visitors on board everybody used to say that uh, you know we made them so welcome they didn't feel out of place or anything like that and they you know weren't intruding they didn't feel like they were intruding well they weren't it was nice to see people it really was oh. you know especially in the summer because we knew winter you know can be quite harsh out there and quite a lonely place to be the north sea yeah absolutely and and of course um, we must um uh, must that, just touch on euro siege uh, and of course oh. the old thing about laser being out there changed the dynamic didn't it Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, laser laser was the best thing that happened to Caroline, best thing that happened to British radio as well. Uh, you know, it just gave us, you know, it gave us a kick up the backside and it gave, um, uh, I knew laser was going to give the UK radio a good kick up the backside when I, you know, saw the plans for what it was going to do when I was lucky enough to be on board uh, during the 729 period. And I thought, this is going to be a brilliant radio station. And it did. I mean, you listen to it and, it was alive, wasn't it? It was just, Absolutely. it's just there. It really yeah. was. I've, it really tra- changed uh, British radio and changed it for the better. And I know a lot of people involved in, um, in independent local radio at the time would have said exactly the same. Why the hell aren't we doing what they're doing? Well, of course, they couldn't at the time because of uh, needle, needle time. time yeah. But all they had to do was abolish it, for goodness sake. You know, yeah. not again, as I mentioned earlier on, not rocket science, is it? You know, yeah. I did, unfortunately, at the time, I think you had... Um, you know, the 1950s, 1960s mentality still, you know, they hadn't come forward sort of uh, 20, 30 years. No, I get that. And do you know what? It's the only uh, offshore radio station that I've heard uh, playing in shops in Derby. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, fun, funny thing was, if you were in the southeast of England, all over Essex, it seemed to be Caroline, all over Kent. And as you go into London, it was laser. So it was one of the two. That, yeah, I can see why certain independent radio stations got the eight, because everywhere you went, either laser was on or Caroline was on. I remember at the time when the very few times I did spend any time in the UK, and if I used taxis, they were listening to Caroline. They were listening to uh, laser. They weren't listening to Capital Radio. They weren't listening to Invictor or Essex Radio. No. No, and then you're right. That's how they got them. Imagine, imagine being a salesman at the time, trying to yeah, sell their time on that. <laughs> the, the sad thing is, we had a lot of people who would have advertised on Caroline and Laser had it not been for um, you know the MOA. So yeah, yeah people want to advertise their products on uh, offshore radio, but not local radio. As they said at the time, what's the point? Nobody listens to local radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no wonder they got the ump. But yeah. uh, oh, I can see why. Yes. Yes, so can I. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, the uh, Euro Siege uh, thing as well was because the way you handled it on Caroline was so different to uh, uh, the way you an- uh, handled it on uh, Laser. It was probably a good thing that there was the two different angles uh, to yeah. it, I think. Yeah. Well, we decided, um, it's actually Peter Phillips, Mike uh, Barrington and myself decided from the word go, and we did check this back with uh, Land as well, that we were going to say absolutely nothing. The first we knew about it, I mean, the um, Dioptrix of air actually came past us while I was on the air on the Thursday before it officially started. Just literally went past us really close, sailed around us a couple of times and went. And we didn't think anything of it. It was the Monday that we know we, we were, you know, looking to uh, do the news at uh, one o'clock or whatever. And Peter Phillips said, well, we know what they're up to now because mm. <laughs> it was on Oracle or CFAX yeah, or C-Fax whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first we actually knew about it. And then we decided we're going to say absolutely nothing about it on air 
uh, just ignore it. It's not going on. It's not happening. Bang. And then when we heard what Charlie was doing, we thought, yes, we definitely made the right decision. The right yeah. decision. Let them do it. You know, yeah. uh, they can have a bit of fun. Uh, they're Americans as well, so they're probably not going to get the collar felt too much when they get ashore. But yeah. uh, the trouble is, as we as we know with officialdom, you wind them up and they will go hell for leather to get you, even if they didn't want to. Um, uh, and again, the first week that the Dartrix surveyor was out there, they were actually closer to us. It, we thought they were after us because they thought you may have thought we were the weaker station. Little did they know at the time, um, you know, we could have continued for a lot longer uh, without any problems. It was laser that had the problems uh, because of we were being supplied mostly from Europe at the time. It was only um, the odd, you know, crew change tender that uh, came out from the UK, whereas Lasers, lock, stock and barrel was being supplied from uh, the United Kingdom. Mm. So that was that was their that was their downfall, basically. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think the fact that uh, obviously they wanted them off because, yeah, I mean, we, we're not daft. We knew that they, they, they were the most popular of the two stations anyway. We we're both popular, but they were the most popular. And that was the one they would get off. Uh, the air first and then maybe concentrate on us luckily of course um it went on a lot longer than the the government thought it would go on and uh, they ended up um not so much running out of money but couldn't justify the expense of uh, of euro siege but no it never it never bothered us uh, one bit and also the other thing was uh, the publicity that you know it was, it was a great own goal by the government if you like because mm. we used to get probably a sack to two sacks of mail you know a month out on the ship suddenly it went from two to 20 odd really? after you know during euro so yeah because we're at nearly every bloody newspaper oh, sorry i shouldn't left <laughs> front page news of every newspaper in europe plus we had national tv from uh, most european countries national tv from the uk the local tv stations went mad down in the the south and southeast of uh, of the uk um, the, the coverage they gave us was, was absolutely brilliant. You know, we couldn't have bought that. You know, somebody said if we'd have bought that sort of advertising, it'd have probably cost us around about 30, 35 million pounds in, in 1985 prices as well. Yeah. So, you and know, it, absolutely. You know, thank you. Thank you to Her Majesty's government for all the uh, advertising. <laughs> and, and it was in response to, uh, as you say, the obviously they were getting battered by the uh, the ILR stations and mm. their response Richard, pr pretty much was exactly the opposite result for what they wanted, as you say, because all yeah. it did is drove more listeners to, to, to yeah. Laser and well, Caroline. The other the other thing was it was everything was a potential threat, a potential this, a yeah. potential that. Well, what they didn't mention was uh, the amount of lives we have so, uh, saved because of people DFing. You know, medium wave is awfully easy to DF when ships are being lost, haven't got radar, DF themselves to us. We've called out the lifeboats for them and the lifeboats have towed them in, you know. And also I know that planes have actually, rather than use North Foreland, which is on 500 kilohertz, and I think it's like one kilowatt, um, you know, planes coming down the North Sea have actually tuned into us because it's a stronger signal and then, you know, disappeared off to Lake and Heath or Woodbridge and places like that. You know, and, you know, the classic one, potential threat and all this interference. Yeah. What they didn't mention was um, there was uh, a problem 
uh, there was some interference with one of the coastal radio stations. I can't remember where it was. And I was up on the bridge one day, or going up to the bridge, and I heard North Orland Radio calling Ross Revenge. And I thought, oh, blimey, what's going on here? So, because they don't normally call us because there would there normally be no traffic from uh, land to us because they wouldn't allow it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, got back to the Coast Guards. And what it was was, uh, again, one of their. Um, uh, marine station suffering interference and it was playing pop music so of course what do they think oh it must be caroline or laser so we switched both well we switched actually 558 off first and now they said it's still there then we switched six uh, 963 off still there so we thought oh maybe it's laser uh now five that's where that's it laser was still there then 576 we switched off so we got hold of laser because we used to have our ways of contacting each other the boats it was actually cp radio they switched 558 off so we said, that's it, we're all off. There's nothing coming from the communicator, nothing coming from the Ross Revenge. They said, well, the interference is still there. I said, well, it's not us. <laughs> it turned out to be the BBC World Service and Invicta Radio 603 uh, causing the problem. They sort of somehow, you know, sort of entwined with each other, and that was what was causing the problems. And yeah. thankfully, um, you know, I actually knew somebody from the Coast Guard agency years after, and he actually looked it up, and that was what the problem was. Really? It was nothing to do with us at all. In fact, the only interference that's ever been attributed to an offshore station was uh, the early days of Radio North Sea at yeah. Walton on the Nays, and I think Caroline once in the 60s. Nothing from the Ross Revenge, nothing from uh, the Mi Amigo in the 70s, and nothing from... Uh, uh, the communicator either but yeah. of course they don't mention that no absolutely not yeah but i remember going all over the all over the coast uh down in kenton that with those signs up with me <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. it's a leak to supplier yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all that. yeah. I, I i was in a pub when i was working for invictor invictor in kent uh this was back in 89 i was in a pub not far from the studio and a couple of guys came up to me and uh, just said mr moss I went, oh, blimey, nobody calls me that. Uh -huh. you know, I thought it was uh, <laughs> a tax inspector or so. Uh -huh. said, could we buy you a drink? And I thought, yeah, okay, what have I done? He said, just want to buy you a drink for the endless entertainment and uh, you know the fun you gave us back in 1985. And then they introduced themselves. They were a couple of the crew on the, uh, on the Dioptric Surveyor. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> they said uh, they really enjoyed it. But as they said, there was a couple of people out there that just wanted us off. The rest of them was just out there doing a job, yeah. and that was it. And they were the nicest blokes, uh, you know, I've met. And I, I, I've actually shared quite a few pints with them, actually, to be honest, and uh, we became really good friends. Amazing, so, isn't it? That, yeah, that, yeah. That's a fabulous story. Thanks, Johnny. You have a great rest of your day, mate, and thanks you for your time again. Yeah, no problems. Cheers for that. Thanks, Johnny. Bye now. Bye. Cheers, Jeff. Keep in touch, mate. Bye. Well, well what can I say? I really hope you found that as enjoyable and fascinating uh, as I did. Absolutely loved uh, talking to Johnny and uh, definitely one of the, the offshore radio legends in my uh, my humble opinion. And uh, Johnny will be back with us hopefully when we do our special uh, about the Irish pirate scene, which we will be um, doing very shortly indeed. Please uh, like and uh, share the podcast and uh, tell all your friends about uh, Radio Rollback. And as we always say, all the uh, back catalogue are still there to have a listen to. So a big thanks to Johnny. I'm not absolutely sure what we're going to do on uh, the uh, next uh, podcast yet, uh, apart from the fact that we will be uh, revisiting a little bit of uh, Veronica we played uh, about two or three podcasts ago. Uh, called uh, the Teenage Express, and I asked for a bit of help, and you've all been amazing. Had lots of uh, people give me more information, so we'll we'll 
update everybody with that on uh, the next uh, edition of Radio Rollback. Maybe because uh, Johnny brought it back to our minds in that uh, little uh, talk in uh, this episode, maybe we'll do a bit of the voice of peace. That sounds good. See if we can get some good uh, voice of peace and uh, we'll give that uh, a spin because obviously lots of us uh, here in the UK certainly have heard... uh, the offshore stations off the British coast, but uh, maybe not so many heard the voice of peace. It was a cracking station. I never heard it live, I have to say. Although uh, my um, brother-in-law was uh, stationed in Cyprus in the army, everybody was listening to the voice of peace. So we'll see if we can uh, bring some of that to you, I think, on the next edition of the Radio Rollback. Please, if you would like to get in touch, uh, don't forget the email, jeffmartinmedia.com. 220 at gmail.com it'll also be in the program notes as well so you can um, you know if you want to get in touch about anything or something you might like to hear or whatever and uh, we've got a couple of interviews uh, hopefully lined up for shortly so we'll be bringing you more if there's somebody you like you'd like us to chat to or you've got a contact for somebody you'd like us to chat to please drop me that either on uh, the facebook or you can drop it to me in an email jeffmartinmedia220 at gmail.com enough ramblings from me then for this time until next time uh, have a great time and see you soon Thanks for listening to Radio Rollback Podcast. Don't forget to check out the back catalogue and use your podcast app to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode.